Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, is What a week, not just in housewives, pop culture in general, but I feel like Housewives was just on overdrive this week. I can't explain to you the feeling of watching Ultimate Girls Trip last night while the photos of Pete and Kim leaving Giorgio Baldi broke. Like it was so much to take in. It was every different sect of pop culture that I love happening at once. And it was just a phenomenal experience. Oh, that is a high we'll be chasing for a very long time. A very long time. I mean, there's so much to get into, but I just want to make one general blanket statement. Do you agree that Ultimate Girls Trip is one of the best things to come out of Bravo slash Peacock or really just television in general in like the last year or so? A hundred million percent. It is a perfect show to me. And truly, I find myself smiling as I'm watching it and laughing and just so entertained and feel good, but also giving me all the best parts of Housewives, plus the fourth wall break, which everyone who listens to us knows is like one of our favorite parts of any of the Housewives when we get slivers of it. So to have just straight up episodes where they're talking about their experience as Housewives and literally relating to each other, I think Kyle says at one point, like we should start a Housewives support group. That's what it feels like. So to us who have been watching Housewives forever and analyze it literally for a living, this is my dream fully. Oh, it's fully my dream. I think it's because the stakes are so low and and they're all very aware of that in a way. It's like there's this sense of camaraderie yet also having drama. And to be honest with you, I feel like the drama so far, we'll get into this. I just like one thing I want to say, the drama has been pretty minimal and I'm fine with that. Like those aren't even the parts that I enjoy the most. Like when Cynthia and Kyle were having that back and forth, that wasn't the most enjoyable part of the episode to me. I so much prefer when Ramona and Teresa are sitting on Ramona's bed looking at the notes from Louis. I almost feel like the actual franchises and editors and producers need to examine why this show works so much because nobody's pushing for a storyline. Of course, they say you two go on a walk together. Like, let's, you know, get you two talking about something. Obviously, they have to make content, but they're not trying to push like this is the storyline of the season. Like, there's no Dorit, Lucy Goosey, Apple Juicy, Lisa Vanderpump, you know, trying to make that the storyline of the season. It just is kind of organic and it feels back to the old housewife days of like the cameras are up and let's just see what happens. And whatever happens will be what the show is. We're following their lives. It doesn't need such like an an over the top narrative to work. Yes, I so agree with that. And I think the other thing is that clearly, you know, these women were selected because they're considered like the best of their best in their city. And I know obviously people disagree with some of the choices, but in general, you have to admit that some of these people are like the best performing. And so, 
one would think there'd be a lot of ego at play, but in a way there's almost not. It's almost like they get a sense of security that they are among the greats. So it's not like they feel like they need to be the OG or they need to be the best one there because they recognize the very fact of being chosen already cements them into a certain position. So there's not like inner, inner franchise competition kind of. Right. And they're a little bit less comfortable with each other. But then to see them get more and more comfortable just because of the way they are. And they're obviously very open women given that they're reality stars and they put their whole lives on TV. The whole thing is absolutely fascinating and amazing. And the fact that it works so well and this is just the first season, almost like a trial. And this is the cast they picked, which is a great cast. But think about all the possibilities. Think about what's going to happen when we see Tamara and Vicky and Taylor Armstrong and Phaedra at Dorinda's house. Are you kidding me? Like this, I can't. Let's talk about Girls Trip. Then we'll do Salt Lake City. Then we'll do Potomac. How do you feel about that? I feel great. Okay. I want to start with something a little bit more specific, which is, I'm really curious to hear how you feel about this because last season you were not a fan. Neither was I, but you really were not. I have to say, I think this is one of Luann's best performances in recent years. She is incredibly likable in my opinion. She's a different person. I'm telling you, it's almost like Austin on Winter House is how I feel a lot about these women in this element is they're just so different. And I think she has a fresh group of women, a fresh perspective. She doesn't feel burdened almost by like the Ramona, Sonia, the old rut that they were in. And she is such a light and she's getting along really well with everyone. She doesn't feel pretentious in any way or she's not talking about her cabaret at nauseum I, I don't know I agree I just I'm loving her not only am I not not liking her I'm loving her I know and I know you know the argument could be made that her sobriety is playing a role in that and in general I really give her a lot of credit for I think Melissa or Kyle said it you know for maintaining her sobriety among a group that is just drinking from dawn to dusk but the- I just say dawn to dusk. (laughs) I don't know, but I liked it. (laughs) But I think honestly, when I was really trying to like pinpoint what it was, I feel like going into last season and especially as last season was kind of unfolding, she was hyper aware that a lot of the fans of New York were almost ready for her to be recycled out kind of. And so I think part of that played into just her general being. Whereas here, similar to what I was saying earlier, she didn't feel the need to cement herself, you know, like she knew she was there so she could just exist. I agree. And I also was shocked because her social media presence has been very consistent with what we were seeing on Housewives, very much about herself, her about her Christmas special, her Countess stuff and all these just videos of her and her merch and like so Countess, Countess, Countess. So to see her back to her old school self where she's just jumping in the ocean and literally being like the cool Luann, not the Countess, was so phenomenal. Uh, did you see there was a comment that somebody left on, I think it was Michael's page or maybe it was a Bravo fan page, something to the effect of like, what did your wife think when she saw the scene of you giving the shot glass to Luann? And he commented and then deleted saying something like, I don't think she saw it yet. I felt, I, okay, I loved the flirtiness and everything. And then when I was reminded that he's married and was wearing a ring, I was like, oh God, this is getting weird. And aren't his parents the ones that work there with him? I don't know. They they totally could be. I To me, I always wonder with people in this role, not only just in hospitality, but I'm saying like hospitality that's then filmed where they need to make the experience. Like if they have the conversation with their significant other of like, this is just par for the course, this goes into the job and his wife is down with it. Or it was actually something where after the fact, he looked back and was like, you know what? That was crossing the line because I'm not married, but I consider myself to be pretty open-minded. But I don't think I would have been down for that shot class thing. She was literally on top of him. Right. And he very much instigated it in a way. And like, I think there was a fine line between being like fun and making the show better because yeah, he's there to make the experience good, but he's also very much there to help the show move along. He's almost like, like he's the host of Survivor and he's there to say like, ladies, you know, here's what tonight's challenge is. And that's what helps sort of move it along but it didn't need to go that far. But you know what? I'm not complaining. 
I would be lying if I said I was complaining. I just also felt for the wife once I remembered that he was married, you know? <laughs> yeah. But if he wasn't, what a fun storyline that would be. That's old school housewives, by the way. Luann flirting with like the house manager and having this whole little fling and flashing him every second. That's Luann. You know, there's something, I know we kind of like make fun of her for how she's always constantly showcasing just like just how cultured she is. But I do think that there's something to be said for like how her time in Europe has kind of influenced her flirtation style because I don't know, you know, you talk about like her versus Ramona and if you had a a side-by-side camera of the way that they flirt, I think Luann does so in a way that's far more elegant. Yeah. Luann is a cool girl. Like she's just like a cool chick. So to see her back at that and away from like the countessy bullshit and back in her coolness is great. Okay. So I want to talk about Kenya because you know, you and I, I feel like have a really interesting relationship with Kenya because we obviously understand that in many cases on Atlanta, she does things that are just like objectively wrong, but she's such a good housewife. So I feel like sometimes we give her more of a pass than maybe other people do. That being said, she was so great here. Like, I don't know how you could watch the show and not be happy that she was on it. I genuinely think I wrote in our notes, Kenya MVP. She is getting along with everyone bumpy road with Cynthia a little bit so far, but really connecting and getting along with everyone and being so open. And again, this is where I feel like the preconceived notions and the understanding and almost like the pigeonholing of who she is and making her like this villain or using her past against her. Having that all washed away is working so much in her benefit that she feels like, okay, it's a fresh slate. These women can get to know me for who I am and, you know, not really know anything about me and just see me at face value and understand, like, I can connect, I can be warm, I can share my story and not care about the years and years of bullshit and maybe the old person who she was, who she isn't anymore. I also think there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, obviously her divorce is being used like as a storyline, but it's also very much happening. Like she is actively in court. And I think no matter who you are, clearly she has a job to do. Like she's on a reality show. But when you're in the midst of that, like, let's just call it like it is. They are at a fucking gorgeous house in Turks and Caicos. Like this is the dream vacation. And so I do think you're seeing a side of her because she's going through one of the most stressful times of her life, yet also in one of the most like majestic places. So I feel like that contrast is bringing out a a kind of, nice side of her because you're getting the vulnerability, but you're also getting this carefree moment. And it's a point of connection because when she sits at the table and Ramona, Teresa, Cynthia, they've all gone through divorces before, Luann. So to connect on that sort of level, you know, that is, that's such a bonding thing. I also have to say, I really enjoyed Teresa this, these four episodes. I I don't know. I connected her in a way that I haven't because you and I have always said like, lover or hater, she's the OG for a reason, but like, we kind of just dislike her. Whereas I was watching this and I was like, you know what? I'm seeing such a softer side of Teresa. That's so much more emotionally intelligent. I agree. I also love that we get the best parts of her because she's not changing who she is. She still will never until the day she dies, she will be on her deathbed sort of going up against Melissa and trying to like, I don't know, push her buttons and make it a whole thing about their family and saying, oh, she doesn't, she never watched The Godfather, family first. And, you know, you're not an OG. Or even when they're in the car, Melissa's like, aren't you so happy to be with your sister-in-law? And she's like, mm-hmm. Right. That, we still have that, Teresa, because if that was gone, I would actually need to do a wellness check on her. But then again, we also get this softer side and to see her connect with new women because she also is in her own franchises, like you were saying earlier, she's not always the one that warms up to the new girl. She has a lot of like territorial feelings about her franchise. She's the OG. She's sort of the queen bee. So now, like you said, to be put in a position where they're all sort of equals, I think she just feels so much more comfortable opening up and accepting them and looking at them as already her friends. Right. And also nobody's playing the long game here. They're not concerned with how a conversation is going to land, you know, a few months down the line or how it's going to come up on the reunion. And I think that plays a huge role. And also, by the way, no matter how quote poor Teresa's behavior is, she has the benefit. They all actually have the benefit of being juxtaposed with Ramona. And in general, Ramona's a little bit batshit crazy, but this like season, 
I'm, I think this is maybe one of her worst. No, Ramona is at her absolute worst. And it's not like she's having one meltdown here, one meltdown there. Pretty much everything she says is eye-rolling, inappropriate, not politically correct, not respectful. Like, honestly, it is painful to watch. And to be in a group like this, I feel for Luann because I think she feels, oh, I'm the one that understands her and I almost have a history and an allegiance to her that I can't stray from. But at the same time, I recognize how poor her behavior is. But to get in a group with these women, contrary to what we've been saying before about how you have no ill feelings towards them yet, you know, they have a little bit of history with each other all like through Bravo and being housewives, but not really that much. And from day one for Ramona, just piss everyone off in such a way and rub everyone the wrong way. I mean, that's like almost a skill at this point. Okay. So many things. First of all, I agree with you. Luann definitely feels a little bit of a sense of responsibility as if it's like her child or something in this weird way. And also because I do think Luann has a deep rooted sense of love for her. So on one hand, she wants to like apologize on Ramona's behalf and wants to call her out and hold her accountable. Also though, wants to tell everyone like, I swear she's kind of not this bad. I don't know. It's like this weird role that she's now been forced into having. But I think that, I I don't, I don't know, you know, (laughs) What's so concerning is that if you watched this show, like I was trying to imagine if my dad was sitting next to me and he was watching it, he would probably say, wow, you know, she really p- like puts it on for the camera because you can't imagine someone's like this. I think this many years, and this really just is Ramona, I think she would be behaving the exact same way if there were cameras or not. And that's what's so crazy about it. Last week, there was a page six article that she was behaving like a quote brat at the opening of a Broadway show. This is not just for the cameras. We hear stories, we see videos, Dumois post things about Ramona at restaurants and in public. This is literally who she is. And at this point, it's so predictable. We know she's going to cause a fit about the room. That is her shtick. And by the way, I think she knows that that is what everyone expects from her. But things like saying, I booked the tennis instructor and nobody else can come or just every everything that she says and does so disrespectful is just truly who she is at her core but actually, what's interesting about the room thing that I did want to bring up, it just reminded me, the fourth wall element about break, about them being housewives and able to talk about the cameras and stuff is interesting, but also Ramona being able to talk about her, quote, fans and what they're expecting from her in a way lets us into their mindset of what people want from them and how they are so aware about what people are saying and want that to see from them on a show like this. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's a window into their minds that we wouldn't normally have. And it's actually funny you say that because I know you're talking specifically with Ultimate Girls Trip, but I wanted to say this to you. You know how last season Heather Gay was such a fan favorite on Salt Lake City and I would argue that she still is? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's been you know, some conversations, I've just seen nothing crazy, but of people saying like Heather really saw that people last season loved how she was leaning into her kind of you know rebelling against the religion thing and X, Y, and Z, and that now she runs the risk of potentially leaning into it too much because she thinks that that is what is getting the best audience response, which I think, by the way, is like a really fine line to walk. I don't envy anybody in that position, but it just made me think of that example of like, how aware is too aware? You know, when does it come to the point where you feel like you're actually playing too much into it? I think it's an impossible balance to achieve. And those that do it effortlessly are the ones that have the most longevity. It's so, so hard because you're right. It's like the most fine line of going overboard or not enough or not giving the fans what they want. And then on top of that, I think more on Housewives, but on Ultimate Girls Trip 2, the producers play a big role in sort of what kind of scenes and storylines they want filmed and audience reaction and focus groups and who's testing really well. So all of that combined, plus their awareness and reading all of the comments and tweets and everything that comes their way. I mean, we see it. So of course they're seeing it times 10 and really focusing on every little thing that people are liking or not liking about them. It must be exhausting. Wait, I, I want to talk about for a second, the Kenya Cynthia situation, because that's far more interesting than Kyle and Cynthia. That was kind of almost like a second tier situation. Whereas I think Cynthia's real upset was coming from the situation with Kenya. And my question to you is, did you get the sense at all that Kenya was kind of like, 
not ditching Cynthia because that's not what was happening, but kind of like maybe not being as close to her as she would have anticipated because she felt like she's a shoe and I may as well spend my time with these women that I want to get to know. Like, I don't know. Did you think that Cynthia's frustration and that was valid? Yes, but I also don't agree with her that it's not okay. Like I almost see both sides perfectly because I get where Cynthia is coming from. You go in with somebody, you have known them forever. You almost feel like they're your sidekick and they're your team member when you're going into this. They've known each other forever. They're on a show together. They know there are little quirks about each other. But then from Kenya's perspective, like she doesn't really owe Cynthia everything. It's sort of like, it's almost like in college, like if you have a roommate and you go out with your roommate, like you're not responsible for helping them make friends. You know, it's almost every woman for themselves here. It's a really hard thing because I see both sides and I really understand and feel Cynthia's hurt. And I get why she feels like Kenya is a little bit leaving her in the dust. But then I also see Kenya's side of like, no, I want to be who I want to be with. I want to explore these friendships and I don't need to be also responsible for you in a way. But I think Cynthia is making friendships. That's why it's really hard. I just think at that specific dinner when she got, when Cynthia and Kyle got in a little bit of a fight, she didn't feel supported. But at the same time, I don't think it's Kenya's job to always jump to Cynthia's defense just because she's Cynthia. Yeah, I agree with most of that. I think that at the actual Bailey Q thing, you know, like if I'm Cynthia, I'm thinking, why are you acting like this is the first time you've seen these questions? Like, you know exactly what the deal is here. And if you did think that maybe this wasn't the crowd for it, you could have communicated that to me separately. Cause that's what Kenny was saying in her confessional, which is a fair point. Every city, you know, has things that some would be down for. And then you go to another city and they wouldn't be down for it. That, that's a, a total fair point to make, but she didn't say it to Cynthia. I don't know. It was, it was not that significant in the scheme of things, but it's just interesting when there were those kind of real tensions because to me that's so much more real than like Teresa and Ramona with the scarecrow thing. Right. Exactly. One other thing about Ramona to me, I thought the worst of it, maybe, I don't know. No need to rank them. One of the moments that I just found not surprising, but really just grotesque was when Luann like had a moment on the boat, which say what you want. She was upset. You can't even blame it on her being drunk. She was just having a moment of feeling emotional. And the second she's about to explain that, Ramona has to excuse herself because God forbid she hears that story over again, which I get it. Luann can be a broken record, but she's on a show with women who have never heard it. And it's just like, how do you consider this to be even remotely acceptable friendship? I forgot about that until you just said it. I literally think I blocked it out because I hated it so deeply. And for them to see that behavior firsthand and be like, okay, this is really who she is. To me, if I was trying to explain Ramona to someone, I would show them that scene because I think that just encapsulates everything about her and how she doesn't not like being the center of attention. She doesn't like stories that have to do with her that she's heard before that she like it's a felt like a waste of time that's what she felt like it's a waste of my time I don't need to hear this it's not about me I don't care I think it's bullshit she has a whole thing with Tom and then to like leave in the middle of it with zero social cues and then to come back with like bags of her girlfriend's makeup line everything about that is just the epitome of Ramona it is I mean you know me like in general in life I really do believe that you should never do something that you don't want to do to the, you know, the fullest extent that you can. But there are some things that you just have to. Sometimes you just have to sit for 15 minutes at a conversation that you don't want to listen to, you know? Like there are just some things where you really have to walk the line of like, I only want to do things I want to do. And in general, I respect that, but not when it's at the expense of like someone else's emotional well-being. I don't know. She's just so goddamn selfish. I, I think what it is is that most people that are really selfish especially those on television, try to conceal it a little. And so maybe I'm just, even though we're 10 years later, however many years later with her, I think I'm just consistently in awe at how transparent she's willing to be about how selfish of a person she is. Especially in a group of new people who are forming their opinions about her. I understand if they were on a boat and it was with Sonia and all like all the people who have heard the story a million times or whatever, or no Ramona's place in the story in a way. But to do that in front of a group of new people, instead of sitting there and saying, yeah, I lived through it with her. It was crazy. Like, I'm not saying she had to give her two cents of the story. She could have just sat there and listened attentively. But I think if it was you or I and you were telling a story about like this marriage that I was there for every step of the way of. And I would say, oh, it was bad news. It was, oh, my God. When Bethany told her it was terrible. We didn't know what to do. Like, 
Like, there is a way to involve yourself, by the way. I would have rather her sort of given her perspective on the situation than walk away with the way she did. Yeah, a lot of that is also layered because she is not happy with her current situation with her dating life. And so, you know, anytime somebody else is talking about a man, especially one that she had a history with, I'm sure there's some stuff. I still, it's not an excuse. I'm just trying to imagine. Also, final takeaway, not final, there's a million, but last thing that I personally feel the need to say, although I'll talk about this for as long as you want, is Kyle and Mauricio fucking at a table of a black tie event. Wait, <laughs> I we didn't, there was not enough talk about that. And then when she FaceTimes him and he's like, no, I'm telling you, she's not lying. I was like, you guys are so hot. Oh my God. I was literally dying. I would love to know what her daughters think about her telling that story. No, I'm sure Alexi was like, mom, (laughs) you can't say that. Uh, Or Cynthia and her confessional being like, I don't really know how it was possible. Like she must've not been moving that much. (laughs) Yeah. They were all the meme of like the woman trying to figure it out. And they're like, hold on. Like short dress, table, chair, facing this way, facing that way, lights are dim. Like they're literally trying to do the math equations of the of how it could have gone down. Wow, amazing. I'm adding that to my bucket list. <laughs> so I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I need to explain to everybody listening, Emma and I sitting in a hotel room watching Salt Lake City last week, and she was sitting on the floor and I was sitting on my bed. And every probably 20 seconds, we would just look at each other with our jaws completely on the floor and just say, holy fucking shit. And we made Julie watch it with us too. And she had the exact same reaction. The last three weeks of episodes, last week, the week before, and then this week were truly like incredible A-plus television. No, Isabel, I left my heart in that hotel room, like sitting (laughs) on the floor. No, seriously, I just want to elaborate on what you just said. So imagine Julie and Isabel are on either bed. I'm sitting on the floor because I was plugged into a rapid charger and I am eating this egg wrap. And the (laughs) egg wrap was so, no, the egg wrap was so good. The show was so good. Isabel and I at one point were, I dropped the, like, imagine this. I have Isabel's hands in my right hand, the egg wrap in my left hand. Like it was really heavenly. I, I, oh my God, now that you're saying it, I just want to go back there. That was I love this show. I Okay. Also, the other thing that I want to say is a lot of times there'll be a standout episode and it'll be fucking amazing. And then the next week is a little bit subpar. The reason I thought this was so good is because this was a trio of spectacular episodes. All three, I'm not saying all three were equally as good, but all three were really, really strong. And we normally don't see it stay that consistent. And the story is like moving along. It's not just them sitting around recapping the arrest. It is like, okay, she got arrested. Then let's spill out everything else we know. Let's spill all of our things that we were maybe thinking in our head. Then let's analyze how each other kind of took in the news. Then let's add in this whole other completely separate plot line about Mary's church and then also add tensions between the women in the group. Like, it's 
insane. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's amazing. And to watch them all process Jen in real time. And also, you know, the other thing is like, you really have to think, I know it's so different because like, it's it's not really fair to compare the two because Jen was charged with something. Erica wasn't directly charged. The the women of Beverly Hills have known each other for longer. Like I, I know that it's not the same, but we're just coming off of Beverly Hills. So I just want to make this one comment. When you look around that room, every single person there was so quick to automatically go into like the worst case scenario kind of and basically give Jen zero benefit of the doubt. And to me, it just goes to show the way they all must have felt about her character. Well, for Heather and all of them at the table, the night of Jen getting arrested to basically say like, yeah, I'll visit her in prison. And Meredith say, you know, she's going to prison to jump to that immediately. I mean, imagine if that had happened in Beverly Hills. Like it's just so, of course, like you said, it's different, but just for them to jump to these conclusions and also using the prior knowledge of things that they maybe heard or knew or kind of gathered with their own like just thoughts and what they know, like sort of inferring. Uh, the whole thing is insane and wild. And then also for Jen Shaw to be filming, literally going into her lawyer's office is unheard of. Like she just got arrested basically on camera in front of our eyes And then we get her just filming in glam the next day, going in her lawyer's office to talk about it and about how she's, of course, not guilty. Yeah. Okay, wait. I am really confused about something because, and I didn't look online, so this may sound really stupid, but when she's talking to the lawyer, and obviously she's aware that everything she's saying is filmed, also everything she's saying in her confessional, I personally think she's full of shit, but fine. But when she's talking about how like, I really thought there was something wrong with Sharif. I was so confused. Like what she was saying was that it was somebody not Sharif, somebody whose voice was not Sharif calling her, telling her she had to get back because he had internal bleeding or whatever. There, to me, there's just no way. Like, is that just the story she's committing to? Like she wants us to believe that she asked Whitney to take off her mic and all that, like as if she wasn't tipped off. She's basically maintaining the fact that she wasn't tipped off, which is fine. I expected her to, but I didn't read that wrong, right? I don't know because I also think there's a possibility that like someone showed up at her house or at Sharif's or whatever and the way that they kept saying, you know, we need to make sure she's okay. We need to just get her here. But I also don't see that the Homeland Security or the FBI would lie about like a medical emergency like that just to get her home. So I I really don't know. I would love to know. And I think that that will be a thousand percent a question that Andy asked at the reunion. Who was on the other end of the phone and what exactly did they say to you? And did you really think that there was internal bleeding? I mean, by the way, on her drive home, she gets pulled over like she didn't even make it home. So that's what makes me think that there's that it wasn't somebody else involved. And it was it was somebody from her camp saying they're looking for you and you got to get somewhere. I don't know. Was she trying to run though? Like how's she going to fucking run? No, but do you remember? I No, I think that she probably just didn't want the arrest to happen there, like on camera. I, but the, right. no, here, this is, this is the thing. It's that if you go back to the episode when she got the phone call, we spoke about this, like her eyes, like there was, there was absolute panic, which I know you can make the argument like, well, yeah, you know, if you found out that your husband was having internal breathing, but it wasn't that type of panic. It was, I really believe that look was representative of somebody who just found out that they are fucked. I'm curious if like her team or her family or anybody who was privy to what was going on almost expected this and literally was like, it's a code red, it's happening. And she knew just by them saying that like I don't think it was a surprise to her do you like was it possible she had no idea she was being watched and tracked in this way I think it's possible that she didn't know the extent of it I also though definitely think that it's possible she had little feelers out I mean I don't know I go back and forth because you know as far as I'm concerned my argument of her thinking she's invincible just as any other narcissist that comes on one of these shows similar to Joe Judice thinks, you know, I I don't know. It's similar to, you can make the same argument about Tom, you know? So there's a part of me that feels that she thinks she's invincible at the same time. I think she was probably a little bit tuned in. You can tell she was doing something sketchily to try to hide it. Right. I know we're all over the place because there was an episode we missed. So I don't even know which one was which, but 
I have to tell you, it was brilliant for from a Bravo perspective that they thought to use the ring footage, but I really hated watching her sons have to walk out of those houses with those, you know, armed agents there. Like I cannot imagine how traumatizing and terrifying that must have been for them. They don't know anything. Like, okay, say what you want about maybe Sharif knows. Her kids, definitely, I would have to imagine, knew absolutely nothing. So they don't know what's going on. You know, it was just very chilling to witness that. Say what you want. We obviously condemn anything she's allegedly done or frauding, allegedly fraud, frauding elderly people. Like, it's all terrible. But at the same time, like, we really got to know her. We got to go in her house. We got to see her family a little bit in action. And to see this then go down and see how it's going to affect them, it's awful. It's terrible. Yeah, no, this was this was wild. Okay, so there's so many things that happened. I don't even remember. Okay, there's no way we Wait. can... What? I want to say the thing that shook me the most. Okay, when they're all sitting around the dinner table and they sort of tell us, I don't know if they discuss it amongst themselves, but they sort of come to the revelation that in the past year or so, they all had been receiving these really cryptic anonymous text messages and that they all had some sort of feeling that they were coming from Jen. And Lisa's spelling out literally because she recognized that the word because was spelled the same way that Jen always writes it in her text, which is sort of unique. And they all had been getting them, which is crazy. And that Meredith had actually hired a private investigator and the private investigator had kind of concluded that it was very, very likely that they were coming from Jen or her camp. Like that is a huge detail that honestly, maybe if this stuff didn't come out about Jen or this hadn't gone down in this way, who knows if we ever would have found that out because it might just be weird. But then for it to connect in this way and then also reveal this, I mean, what a big like piece of the puzzle and how just crazy. Wait, I so agree with you because that's like totally separate from anything going on with the arrest. And what I keep wondering is, did you guys all just know about this? Like, how are you maintaining a friendship with somebody that even if you had the suspicion that it was them? And also, by the way, what was she sending you? Like, what was what was the purposes of the text messages? You know, like, I need to know more. Okay, you were getting mean, nasty things, but for what benefit? Like, I... That I actually cannot get over how crazy that was and how it wasn't like one of them said it and everybody was like, what are you talking about? It was like three to four of them were like, oh yeah, we are very much in on this. Obviously, Lisa and Meredith have discussed this. Maybe Heather and Lisa haven't, but I think that Heather and Meredith have. So it's like almost half the group knows about this like potentially terrible thing that she's been doing. Like, I agree with you. Was that never going to come out? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't really gauge how privy they were to each other or if they'd spoken about it or if they'd compared text messages or if Meredith had said the thing about a private investigator before. I think Heather had no idea that that element played into it, but it does make sense when you recognize that Meredith's frustration was way more than everyone else's because it involved Brooks and her family and how disgusting and evil it got to the level with him. So it makes sense. Like I don't fault her for hiring the private investigator, but I do think that was a big shock to Heather and probably the other women who are uninvolved at the table saying, oh shit, like this is not just, oh, Jen Shaw got arrested. There are so many things at play and pretty much everything about her character and her friendship is all on the table now. Like there's nothing, there's no reason to hold anything back. And I think that was sort of what was happening at the table is they were just word vomiting everything that they know about her, about the Uber situation, something Lisa knew about meeting up with a man who maybe wasn't her quote family. Then this text thing, like they just were putting it all out there. And by the way, as a viewer, there's nothing I could appreciate more. I probably could have watched that for a whole hour. Literally red table talk. What do you know about Jen Shaw? Yes. I, oh my God. I, I didn't want them to ever leave that table. Like, okay. Okay. Here's the thing though. It's not that you can make the argument that like, this equals this. Like, okay, you know, if we want to just say that, yes, yeah, she may be sending these risky text messages and she may be having an affair and got out of the Uber, like that doesn't equal that she is guilty of all the things, right? Like, I understand that. Right. However, it starts to chip at somebody's character. You know, all of these things that are seeming to be accurate 
character flaws or sketchy behavior, of course, that's going to contribute to you believing a, a bigger kind of more general character flaw. Exactly. They have nothing to do with wire fraud or money laundering necessarily, but it just is like building the puzzle of who Jen is as a person because they could say all they want. Oh, she has a, you know, a big temper and all the things that happen that we see, but then to see what's going on behind the scenes and almost these levels of deception that she's done to them and the way that she can easily lie and say things, it's like, okay, who is this woman? Do we really know her at all? That was sort of the theme was Lisa felt was crying and saying like, I feel like I've been deceived. Like who is this person that I've given so much time and tried to become such good friends with and invited into my home and events and she threw a birthday party for Meredith last season. Like, who is this woman? That is really what I feel like. They are all like, we genuinely didn't know her. And now that we're trying, we're figuring out who she really is. It's not a pretty picture. In the slightest. I mean, okay. Can I ask you something? I'm really curious. (laughs) I I always ask you consent for a question. (laughs) Like, no, you can't ask me something. What what are we doing here? We're just recording a podcast. Okay. (laughs) I do this in person too, though. It's not a podcast. I know. Yeah. I want to know what your reaction to this was. Heather and Winnie were talking about the way that Lisa reacted and how the entire thing was kind of like the Lisa show. Yes. And then they tried to do a montage of, you know, her on the phone with all of her other lawyers saying she was shaking. I want to know what your reaction to that was in terms of like the accuracy or actually I'm not even going to say mine. I just want to hear your opinion first on what you thought to clarify my question of like, did you agree with what Heather and Whitney were saying in terms of the way that Lisa was reacting? I do agree. I think it's also just very on brand and on in character of everything, the way that Lisa is. So I wasn't necessarily shocked. It made sense. Lisa cares about Lisa. She wanted to sort of loop it back to her and how obsessed she was and how many people she has on her payroll and make sure she covered her ass. And I'm such a smart businesswoman. I wasn't shocked at all. But I also agreed with them that it was very annoying. And it's kind of Lisa's tendency to say, like, I think I know what it is, but I'm not going to say it. Like, you guys guess. And I'll tell you if I think it's close. Like, she doesn't want to be wrong, but she also doesn't want to reveal her information. But she wants to sort of lead you to the water. You know, like it's almost that is her fault. And she does it in every situation. And even Jenny, who has come in as Lisa's friend and has really not seen any of her faults up until this point, I think really saw the light this episode of like, oh, yeah, she does do that. And it is really annoying. And now we're in a situation where it's not just petty gossip. This is like a big fucking deal. So you can't play your little game anymore. Like we want just like speak. Okay. Yes. So wait, there's kind of two parts here because I want to quickly talk about the second thing you said with Jenny. I agree with you. Jenny was getting frustrated. And when she was explaining it, I don't know if it was in her confessional or to Heather and Whitney on the bus, she actually did Lisa a favor because she was saying, I know it may come across as really annoying and like she's taunting you, but it's more so she just never wants to be wrong. So she was kind of explaining, which makes sense. But also the logical response to that is like, okay, well, if you are so sure that you do not want to say a word until you have it 100% accurate, then just don't say anything. Like that's what the normal person thing is to do. You don't say, I have this piece of information, but I can't tell you. Like you would just wait a little bit. But that's almost a separate conversation from the first thing, which is like, you know, they just had this whole thing of she was really making it so much about herself. And to be honest with you, I felt that she was, but only to the extent of her personality. Maybe I'm really wrong here and you can tell me I am. I don't necessarily not believe Lisa when she was like crying for the sake of Jen's family. I I do think she had a certain level of compassion there. I do too. I think she is able to be compassionate, but also self-centered. Like that's just who she is. And I think she has both sides. But to the Jenny point, I agree with you because I think I do believe both things. I believe that Lisa does like to hold the information. She doesn't want to reveal her sources. She doesn't want to be the one to say it. She wants to sort of keep her hands clean. And she also doesn't want to be wrong. So I think both of those things are true. And I think Jenny saying the other point about, oh, she never wants to be wrong is the more flattering angle. So you're right. She totally did her a favor in saying that and sort of making that, no, this is why she does it. Instead of their theory, which I also believe, which is, you know, she knows things. She likes to know things. She likes to be the one that knows things, but she doesn't want to be the one who revealed it so that people can go around and say, oh, Lisa told us this or Lisa said that. 
Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. You saw for a second, I know, by the way, we're just like all over the place, but I don't care. The, it, it was a preview for next week, but when they are sitting outside roasting marshmallows and finally it gets to the point where they're like, Lisa, you have to say what it is with Mary. And she finally says the thing about he gave up $300,000 in mortgages house or whatever it was. You see a little bit later on when Mary and Heather in the preview get into it and Heather then screams the fact back. And that is probably a moment where Lisa, even though I'm so glad it happened, where Lisa's like, this is why I shouldn't have fucking said that because then I at least, I can never get myself in the mess if I don't ever unveil the information. She... I think we'll probably feel in that moment, this is why I never say anything. This is why I don't reveal anything. It always comes back to bite me in the ass because now naturally Mary will be upset that Lisa told the group that or that she even knew it. So it's a whole just messed up web, but I I just, I'm glad that she reveals the thing later because they're all sitting there and it's like a pressure cooker. Like, just say something. We're going around in circles. Whatever the fuck are we even talking about at this point? Like, nobody is saying, everyone's just saying all these sort of blurry, ambiguous things. And it's like, okay, somebody say a fact here. We know you have a million. And I don't think that's the only thing she knows. I think she knows a ton, but that's just a concrete example that she's able to throw out. And it feels very like numerical and almost like tangible, not just like, oh, this maybe happened or this is a story. It's like, no, he like had to give her this much money or he did give her this much money. He felt he was obligated to. So that it's A, B, C, and it's very easily spelled out. We see Mary, I think she will fight this, that it didn't happen, but I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that she finally got to that boiling point because I was just so damn curious. I was so curious. I also feel really weird now that we know that Cameron has passed away. It I like know. The whole thing feels just like eerie in a way. Obviously not, I'm not like alluding, of course, to any sort of foul play. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying in general, when somebody's the subject line and they're alive when you're talking about it, and then later they've since passed, it just kind of does feel a little bit bizarre. And I'm sure that that was weird for them all to process. But on a, on a side note for a second, on the episode that we missed when we were off last week, another thing that I was really blown away by, which people maybe weren't, but I was, was the level of Meredith's apathy to the situation. Like I never expected her to really care. And listen, I fucking stand Meredith, you know this, but she was so apathetic to the point where it was almost a little hard to stomach. I almost wanted to be like, just fake it a little. You know what I mean? Like not that you need to be surprised by this level of character assassination, like whatever, but just in general, the act that Homeland Security showed up to the parking lot, like that was jarring for everyone else. So even to me, it was like, even if you don't want to be at all shocked about Jen's behavior, she could have had a little bit more like almost empathy for the other women for just witnessing it. I don't know. I felt like it was too much. And I say that as somebody who really likes Meredith. Do you agree with me or think I'm wrong? I agree it was hard to watch Meredith. And I almost think she was playing up how little she cared because I think she thought that that would come across maybe just chillier and cooler and like, fuck fuck you all, I told you so vibe. Like she wanted to come across as nonchalant as possible. And you almost could tell that. But it was just crazy. Like she literally had no level of sort of shook. She was like, yeah, you know, makes sense. Like it all makes sense to me. This is exactly what I thought was going to happen. And you could think like, 
Jen is sketchy. Her businesses are, are sketchy. But for it to go down in this way, like you got to have a little something, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, if, listen, the, the conspiracy element there is like, well, Meredith was the one behind it. Like as if Jen, you know, as Jen tried to play it up a little bit later on, like I, that's not to me at all the case. I just think that she, yes, was celebrating the fact of not, of seeming like she didn't care. And it was, th- there's levels to it. Like exactly. There's levels to it. You can think Jen Shaw's the worst person on the face of the earth. I'm sorry. The feds at beauty lab and laser are still kind of crazy. And if I was her friend, I would have shook her and been like, come on, just give me something here. It's almost annoying. Like, if you're not shocked by the actual arrest that she is being chased and that, you know, there's fraud and whatever, fine. But at least react to the story. Like, at least react like, oh, my God, it happened today, the day you're going on a trip outside of Beauty Lab in front of everyone while the cameras are rolling. Like, that on its own is crazy. Just the story. Right, exactly. Like, tell us more about that. I mean, the article's coming out. Also, we didn't even mention this, but since that episode came out, Stuart, Jen's assistant, has pleaded guilty. I know. That is really fucking crazy. What does that look like for her? I mean, listen, I'm no lawyer, but it can't be good. This is crazy. 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 Also, I mean, the, the most minor of it is like the Whitney Mary stuff, because the reason I say it's the most minor is because Mary kind of is refusing to engage in the conversation. So we haven't really gotten much. We got a little something, but it's not looking so hot. I'll tell you that. No, definitely not. There's so much, obviously. I know we can't fit everything from two episodes into one, but are there other like major things that we're missing? I don't really think so. I'm just literally, this is an incredible season and I'm just so happy. My only concern is that we got so spoiled by not only having Erica at the reunion, but her willingness to answer questions and the level of questioning that Andy was doing. Because listen, it sounds crazy, but Erica compared to Jen is actually way more willing to like answer questions and go there. And I'm so intrigued to see if Jen will come to the reunion, if she's able to, and her level of willingness to answer questions and sort of go there, whether it's like the truth or just her story. I mean, who knows what will happen, but I pray that we get it. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a situation where legally she's going to be held to like a different standard by her lawyers because again she was the one that was actually charged so right i don't know if she'll get that same freedom not, not mean listen technically anybody can do whatever they want to do but it was kind of like remember when that the whole thing came out about erica's legal team dropping her after housewife and the hustler and then she got them back like i could see some tension arising there between jen wanting to be the center of attention and not wanting to you know not be performative and then being them being like listen we have a case to win like you got to choose. I don't know. I, I know that's a really simplified version of it, but my head is just spinning. Definitely possible. Anything is. Okay. Let's go to Potomac for a little bit. And then I, can't, I already can't wait for the other episodes of Girls Trip and Salt Lake City to come out. Two more days. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. I really want to start out with this Wendy and Robin thing, because if you remember when the whole thing went down, once we found out, I don't remember if it was in Wendy's confessional or whenever it was, maybe on social media, that Robin like knew about the rumor. We were watching that being like, wow, Robin, it's you're appearing to like gaslight her and that's not fair. I genuinely think that Wendy didn't prove her point with those texts because I actually believed what Robin was saying. Like she had already presented that to Wendy as like, this is such bullshit that I 
do you think that's totally off? I think that she thought it had to have been something else because of the lack of seriousness that they treated the original rumor with. Wait, I think Robin, not only is she telling the truth, and we've really never seen her not tell the truth, so I have no reason not to believe her, but it also just makes so much sense. Like, I texted you about it. We knew it was bullshit. This is the same publication that says all this bullshit about all of us. And we sort of like swept it under the rug. So then months later, when you come in so upset about something, of course, I didn't think it was that. I thought we had completely moved past that and it was something new. And I'm asking you about it. Like Robin wouldn't be asking her on camera, what is the rumor? What the hell are you talking about? And try and pretend that she hadn't heard it already if she knew that that was what it was. But she clearly didn't. And then when she heard it, she was like, wait, that's what you're so upset about all these months later from a place that we all collectively agree is bullshit. Like, I do understand Wendy's point of view of like, if you knew it was bullshit, why are you bringing it up on camera? I get that. It's giving it more like light and it's giving it a platform. That is annoying. But I think Robin is a thousand percent right. And Wendy trying to bring out those texts to try and prove something, she's like, you're still not proving anything here. It was almost like very (laughs) embarrassing that she had those texts printed like that because she thought it was such a gotcha moment when after hearing Robin's side of the story, it really was just helping her narrative. Yes, it was. That's how I felt. I felt like it was helpful towards her. And I also, you know, was trying to think about it for a second. Like if I'm Wendy, she probably thought because Giselle and Robin are so in cahoots, like Robin 100% knew. So if I'm Wendy and I'm thinking that, I'm even more pissed in the moment because I'n like, are you kidding me right now? Like you're, you're going to gaslight me like this. But I think that it was just a lack of communication is really what happened. They didn't talk about it at length, but hold on. In that same vein, something that I agreed with Wendy about was when she was like, Yes, this is the same blog that has said terrible things about Giselle that nobody believes, but Giselle failed to mention that. It's not that she said she believed it. Giselle absolutely said, you know, these blogs are full of shit, but she could have made the point even stronger if Giselle led with like, and you should see this, should they say about me? And like listed out some of those examples to really hinder the credibility of the blog. And because she didn't do that, I think it made Wendy more pissed, which I agree with her. Like I... I don't know. I think that Giselle, if she, if you're really a girl's girl, help her out. Say the shit they've said about you and how untrue it is. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think in true Giselle fashion, she was getting a little bit of a kick out of it and wanted to see Wendy sort of squirm the way that, that she's had to squirm all these years with questions and rumors about, about Jamal. So I think she almost was like, I don't know, happy for the heat to be on somebody else and maybe see Wendy get a little upset or discuss what everyone was talking about and sort of the rumor mill. And she wasn't going to give her that satisfaction maybe, but I agree. Like I would be annoyed if I was Wendy saying, listen, I know this blog is bullshit and I know what the conversation can be when they put stuff out there. So I just want to make sure you're okay because I know how frustrating it is when they put things out that that are clearly untrue, but then it sort of gets people talking like something like that. It would have been a whole different conversation, but to sort of approach it of like, Oh, I saw these rumors, you know, what's going on. And then also how the body element and her surgeries and sort of her newfound, I don't know, whatever that they were blaming it on came into the conversation. It was just a hot mess. That was really the issue. If that stuff didn't exist, the conversation would have been completely different, but they screw themselves by even going there. You know, I know that they want to say that it was harmless. I'm sorry. They screwed themselves by going there. And I understand why Wendy was holding on to it. Even if there's in some world was legitimacy to that, it didn't matter. It wasn't, it wasn't their spot. You know what I mean? Yes. Wait, also, I know this is from last week and we're just doing this week. But one thing I need to mention from the week that we were off was, was the moment between Karen and Giselle where they're talking about their level of shade and Giselle actually gets really emotional and talking about how good of a mother she finds Karen to be and how loving she is towards Giselle's children. And honestly, like personally, you and me, I felt kind of validated because that's the point that we've been saying of like, even when they fight, they still respect each other as women and as housewives and as their ability for shade and for comedic, you know, timing and things like that. And they were basically saying to Candace, like, we can be shady with the best of them, but, you know, we're telling you factually, there's something that you do that hits a little bit deeper. And I, I don't know, it, it just like, 
it was this really crazy moment of just like mutual respect. And I, I agreed with Andy. You don't see Giselle cry over anything. And then Karen Huger is bringing her to like positive tears. I'm sorry. I lived for that. It was my favorite moment ever. Like, I know that's a broad statement and I probably say that all the time, but I was so happy. I love them so fucking much. And we saw little glimmers of them being friends this season. They even flash back to the funny moments that they have. And it, you're right. It was so validating for you and I, who every single week say, we know deep down they fucking love each other and they think each other are funny. They think they're good housewives. They think they're good mothers. Like they love each other and they just play this game and they get annoyed with each other and they do things that rub each other the wrong way, of course. But you know, at the very end of the day, God forbid something really bad happened or one of them really needed each other. 100% they'd be there, no questions, and it would be like nothing ever happened. And that is the difference. And Candace, the things that she says, they were saying like, those are things that actually linger and hurt and cut so deep. Whereas our little like jabs and like shady things about her clothing or her candle line or her whatever, like that is all bullshit. And that is all, that is how you be shady while continue to respect women that are like your coworkers at this point and not cut them so deep that it's like brutal and, you know, irreparable. What came out of that was like really just a beautiful moment. And to see Giselle cry about it was just the cherry on top. Not that I want her to cry, but it really proved like, this is not just like, this is serious. No, it was serious. I mean, I also thought, you know, it was interesting with between Candace and Mia for a second. I don't get, I don't even remember which episode this one is from because I know we're going from both, but like where Candace has always kind of been in the hot seat for her tweets. And then here comes this new housewife that, you know, is just as harsh, if not harsher on social media. And Candace was almost seeing that. And yes, she was critical of that, but in a way it was almost like a mirror kind of thing, yeah. which is always interesting when that happens, regardless of subject matter. Yes, it's always interesting to see someone else and almost want to critique them and then realize, oh, wait, I've been there too. I felt like when the husbands came out that Chris felt like I have a lot to say and this is my moment to really defend myself from this narrative. Whether it's true or false, it doesn't matter, but he was geared up and ready to go. I was so happy that Michael Darby wasn't there this year because I don't feel like I had anything like to hear from him. But the fact that he missed it last year was just still grinds my gears. The preview though of Nicki Minaj saying to Ashley <laughs> about him being like attracted. She's like, yeah, you know, I was attracted to him when we first got together. And she's like, what exactly were you attracted to? Nicki Minaj <laughs> is not holding back. And seeing Andy grant her permission to take sides and say whatever she wanted, like this is going to be good. I hope, my one hope for it is that the women, I don't know the best way to say it, like obviously she's a massive celebrity and most of them are fans of her. And I don't want it to be the type of thing where they hold back the answer that they actually want to give because they're like a little bit intimidated. Do you know what I mean? I don't think they will. I think because Nikki gets in there and they really are going to feel like they have to defend themselves. Right. They, they're going to have to go there. They're going to have no choice. I mean, a takeaway from the Chris Candace thing is that he finally, you know, came out and was like, listen, I'm a glorified secretary is really what I am, which is so like, this is such a backwards thing to say or like to, to think about, but it's almost as if that was what was going on the entire time, but he felt emasculated or was embarrassed to say that. So he thought, oh, let me be the manager. You know, that title sounds better. But then he got ripped to shreds for that. So then he actually reverted and was like, listen, you want to be honest about it? I just answer some fucking emails. Like, if anything, okay, if this is going to make me look bad, like I'm writing on your coattails, let's actually, you know, say it like it is. So it was like, you could tell that he almost was backtracking in a way because the the made up version of the story ended up being worse than the actual. Yeah, the whole thing is just like, it's all fine. Like everyone's fine. Everyone just made such a big deal about it. Dorothy calling Candace and Andy getting to like grill her with a couple questions on the phone was so fucking perfect because I did feel like we needed her and she's been at a reunion or two before. But yeah, I feel like, you know what? Chris is just doing the best he can. And he has, you know, Candace and his and her mom like really, I don't know, questioning everything he does, which I'm sure is a hard position. Then to have all the other women sort of examining it. Like, I think he's just... 
he is really trying to support her. And honestly, it seems like they're in a great place and have really figured out the business relationship and good for them. Listen, if they can figure it out, even amidst the whole Dorothy situation, like I think that that's a big testament because that's not easy. I don't care who you are on TV or not. Yeah. <sighs> wow. I cannot wait for next week. Like, I really am so excited for that. We've never seen something like this. Like, I know sometimes, you know, people accuse Andy of being a little bit biased here and there, but he's never actually been able to give his full opinions. And Nikki just can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely crazy. It's going to be wild. Wow. Okay. What else are we missing? I mean, I'm sure there's a million things, but any major things we are missing from anything? I think that I got it all off my chest. I felt good, didn't it? It feels so good. I know. Okay. Well, we love you guys. We'll be back on our normal day next week, which will probably be Thursday because I have to imagine we're going to want to do Winter House. By the way, you saw how much Paige is filming for Southern Charm. Oh my God. I know. With Naomi? No, it's too much. It's too much for my little heart to handle. It's really too much for my little heart. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Oh my God, we'll never take off the week when Genshaw gets arrested ever again. (laughs) Never, ever again. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.